This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on a fellow content creator and OG listener of the show to help us discuss a bunch of stuff. We dive into TTRPG system Wraith, the Oblivion, run a My Favorite Monster segment for Petrifying Creature the Medusa, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, less than 15.3 inches away from your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. Dude, I am so happy to have you right next to me right now. We're so close. We're closer yeah, than we've I mean, ever like, been recording. You can, you can feel the condensation from my sweat with the AC not being on right now. Yeah, we got to bang this out quick because it's going to get heated in here. <laughs> I don't think we have to bang it out quick. I think we. <laughs> I, I think we're at a comfortable level. My my moisture is actually evaporating. I'm feeling pretty, uh, pretty calm, cool, and collected mm-hmm. right now. It is as as of the time we're recording this. It is June 11th. We're in the July. Oh God. Yeah. It's July. It's July 11th. We are, uh, have had several consecutive days in the nineties. I made a pretty poor decision to wear jeans today as opposed to just shorts. Um, and I'm paying for it. So here we are. Well, um, I think the biggest thing that's happened on, on our show Yes. Since uh, this is the first zone of truth, we're actually recording after releasing episode 100. And the fun thing that goes with that is that we did that, you know, we did that whole after party, after show question and answer thing, which I think Haley being our tech girl recorded all of that. (laughs) And so... Unfortunately, you're going to see our drunk asses probably on YouTube. Wait, she recorded she that? She recorded that whole oh, thing. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, yep. boy. Unfortunately. Yeah, so, um, so last night we had our big episode 100 live stream expose on Twitch. We answered a whole bunch of questions, and we were, well, with the exception of yourself, all in costume, although you were dressed as the blackness that's in your soul. Yes, um, I, I, as, the, as the GM of the podcast, I didn't feel that I had to dress up like a furry well, um, to each their own, to each their own, to each their own. Next uh, time I will next time, next time I'll take a cue from, uh, Emily from Southern Tom Foolery and I'll, I'll hop in the full Anya get up. That was incredible. That was incredible. Uh, hats off to that fucking queen. That was, that made my <laughs> night, made my night. She pops in kind of late dressed in full Anya cosplay. Unbelievable. Um, we had a whole bunch of people join the streams, whole ton of uh, Emily and a whole bunch of Southern Tom Foolery folks. Um, we we had representation from Min Max. We had uh, the person that we're about to introduce very soon as our guest on the show. It was a big goddamn community that came party. together. It was fun around time. our episode 100. And I just want to say to everybody who was there, or to everybody who might check this out on YouTube in the future, thank you for showing up. It was so much fun. It was great. It was cathartic as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that Griff and I right now are recording in the sea of empty cans from last night. So uh, yeah, if, if I were to um, measure the dent I made in my liver, it would be about 16 cans of seltzer and a third of a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> yep. 
and and we went late too. We did. We, we went I, late. You went very late, but I went till six thirty in the morning. Before and after the police showed up. Before and after the police showed up to my house. So, <laughs> um, without further ado, Steve, I think it's time to announce what we're drinking. Yes. What are we drinking, Griff? Uh, well, I have the last dregs of a Kentucky Cider Company spicy Is red it apple. Kentucky? I thought it was Tennessee. Uh, it's one of those. Those states are the same to me. Fair. Hey, hey, listeners, in that I love them both as much. Nice save. I love them both the same level. Um, but, uh, yeah, you might be right. It might be Tennessee Cider Company. But My glass says Tennessee Cider Company, so I think that's probably right. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I did not read the glass. You're right. You're right. <laughs> no, this is really tasty. Um, I, I think it was Haley shared it with us. Haley did share it with us. It's Thank you, Haley. Great. Um, but without further ado, now that we've got all of that business out of the way, uh, folks listening at home, you may know her by her online alias, Deoxia Rio. Uh, she is OG carrying crowd. Her HLP Discord handle is Team Slurp Queen Slurp. But you may also know her as the GM of the Wraith System podcast for the Untimely Dead show. Welcome to the show, Robin. Hi, Steve. Thanks. Uh, it's so good to have you on. <laughs> this has been a long time in the making, I feel well like. Well overdue. Um, Robin, you are one of the only people from all of our stuff that we have met in person. <laughs> This is true. Yeah, we we partied at the Brewfest last year. Yeah, that, that was, was a blast. one of my one of my favorite memories uh, of the of the HLP in its entirety is actually having somebody that listens to the show come to my dad's beer festival <laughs> in small town in small town Pennsylvania. Like, and and it's only oh a couple hours God, away. We, so oh, we had so much fun. I wish they were doing it again this year. I mean, I think. Unfortunately, COVID is a is a big concern for them this year. It's not going to be the same as it was last year, but the year after, I hope to have you there. Yes. <laughs> we'll I mean, if if it's too bad and we don't do it, we could always just get together and party with your dad. <laughs> also true. I'm not against that. My dad is a verified alcoholic, so <laughs> um, I, you know, I I say that with love. I love him, but right. <laughs> he drinks too much beer. I would have stayed probably much later if I had a hotel room or something, but I also had a friend with me, and the poor guy was toast. But what about my parents' lovely, lovely pull-out couch on the first floor? (laughs) Yes. Does Griffin's childhood home pull-out couch sound good to you? There's also the garage. It's... it's, (laughs) I've slept on the floor, so I don't See, care. See, the best part about the garage is that you get unlimited access to Jeff's uh, Coca-Cola fridge that is just filled with beer. I have also slept in my car in a parking lot. <laughs> well, we, we it, all been there. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds like my childhood home pullout couch is not that bad. Nope. <laughs> well, Robin, thank you for joining us today. How, how are you doing today? We, we were hanging out with you a little bit last night. How you doing? Oh, I'm better than yesterday. I was so tired on top of drinking. <laughs> and yeah, I don't even Brooks drank say the one same. drink. It was just I was so tired that one drink was enough to like make me really sleepy and I had to get out. 
Well, speaking of drinks, Robin, and I won't steal your thunder, Steve, but I'm uh, just going to lend you the segue. You know what? We, we were getting there. Robin, before we started hitting record, we saw that you were going to drink something really cool for us today, right? Yeah. So I have some absinthe. Uh, it's in a really tall, fancy black bottle, and it's called La Muse de Verte. Ooh. Yeah, it's only French. Had it I can't read it. Uh, yes. Um, when we first got the bottle, when I turned 30, my mom brought it to me for my birthday, and uh, it really knocked me on my ass. <laughs> I do believe that means the green muse. Yeah. In French. Mm. I did take French in high school. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because. Uh, you know, my French teacher kept saying it's the language of business. It never huh? out. I never always heard it was the language of romance. That's well, what I, heard I always too, heard yeah. it was the language of business, okay? Romantic I'm business. I'm a businessman. So that brings us to our first listener question. Uh, <laughs> what was your high school foreign language? Uh, we already heard Griffin's. Mine was Latin. Latin? <laughs> you ass. I, uh, I did not take any languages in high school. All right. I elected not to because I filled my entire <laughs> art career with art. <laughs> That's fucking great. Um, I'd, I'd much rather have done that than take Latin. It was a mistake. I was so what? bad at art, I took AP Art History. Oh, so did I, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't allowed in art classes. <laughs> oh, God. You don't let me in there. Yeah. Uh, our, our art teacher was very good friends with, with my grandmother, so I did well in that class. My French um, teacher was very good friends with my grandmother, which is why I took French. <laughs> okay, we've, we've gone, yeah. we've gone, uh, we've, we've sent it. Yep, this is, uh, this is going <laughs> off the rails very quick. So, uh, the, the first thing that, I, that we like to talk about on these shows uh, lately has been, what have we been up to? Because, you know, I, I don't know about you, Robin, but we've kind of been trapped at home a little bit and i'm sure that applies to a lot of folks um not just in our country but worldwide so is there something you know pop culturally relevant or something that you're diving into that you've been enjoying over the last couple weeks uh, just to keep people sane this is just basically an opportunity for us to talk about what we have been doing and uh seeing if other people like that too to keep sanity around <laughs> Uh, I've been, other than working, uh, because I am an essential worker, uh, when I get home, I've mostly been spending all of my spare time that I can't go out and do stuff sitting at my PC in this lovely room full of boxes and paintings and other stuff that you see. Um, I see, is that, is that a, um, see some, maybe Doctor Who in the background? A yeah, there's bit a big TARDIS. It has, like shelves and stuff in it and it's full of magic it, it cards. It looks so dope cool. as shit, but I am more interested in the Iron Maiden poster because I fucking love that. Oh yeah, so uh, my fiancé took me to see Iron Maiden a couple years ago for Valentine's gift. That was really dope. We were in the Snake Pit, I guess it's called. I don't really know. We weren't yeah, far do from I, the Do I wish that I would get an Iron Maiden ticket as a Valentine's Day gift. That sounds dope as shit. Being yeah. in, I, I, I've been in a couple pits myself, but I imagine an Iron Maiden pit is probably terrifying. Uh, it was Am actually really just fine. Hardly anybody really? moved. It was full. It was full of middle-aged dads. <laughs> I, I was about to say, it's like the pit would have been like 
hella cool in the 80s, but right now <laughs> yeah. you got a ton of like 50 year old dudes in that well, pit. That it, was, like, it was a whole lot of dad rage. Yeah, it was oh, a whole rage. lot of dads with like earplugs and stuff in, and a couple of them turned around with like these light beers and were talking to us and making fun of us for being kids, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, so, so you're hanging out at the room at the PC, you gaming, you watching something? Uh, watching a few things on Netflix, mostly like sad anime movies. It's my. Motive, I nice. guess. I don't know. Uh, I mean, playing I feel really like stupid our games. listeners are into that, though. <laughs> what sad anime? I, I would say that sad anime and stupid games pretty much personifies, personifies the, the uh, podcast. Yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> so is there anything in particular that's that's been tickling your fancy? I don't know. Like, Stick Fight is really fun, and I've been playing that with Bipolar Pop-Tart a lot. I heard about that <laughs> last night on the street. It's like, oh, don't make me kill you, Stick Fight. I was like, what the fuck is going on with this? Play Stick Fight. <laughs> Especially we'll, we'll with get on there. We'll get Pop-Tart. On there. He's fun. But yeah, he, uh, so Bipolar Pop-Tart and uh, Sir Newt and Josh from you know, STF, they've been like my gaming buddies for the last couple months, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. Heath has been in and out, too. Yeah, I believe that. Heath is usually in and out. He played Brawlhalla with us for hours, and then was (laughs) grinding on it after he was done playing with us. (laughs) Classic Heath. Um, Griff, what have you been up to the last couple weeks, man? Um, I, I... Steve, this is going to be the first time where I'm not going to be able to give any, like, real good, solid, hey, you should go check this out. I've been fucking busy. Like, episode 100 was fucking busy. My, I'm working 70-hour weeks. It's, it's not, it's not great, guys. It's not great. But, um, the, the part of that, that, that makes all of this and all of that worth it is, um, Especially when when you guys you know talk about episode 100 or uh, or just talk about the show or just like give me good vibes, I've gotten so much of that like in the past <laughs> couple of weeks that um, absolutely floors me. I don't have real time to. I mean, I the the biggest thing I can say is that I finished Avatar, and I know that was a thing from one of our previous Zonotrius that I, I had just started. I finished Avatar. That might be the one relaxing show I had yeah. <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. Things are getting better, guys. Like, don't pity me at all. But I, I, I just want you to know that your support has meant the world to me in just a sea of absolute garbage <laughs> that I'm wading through right now. I'm in the Pacific Ocean island of garbage and uh you guys make it a little bit brighter so and you've thank been you working from home too right i have been working from home i've been working from home the whole time um which has its pluses and minuses the minuses i'm finding is that i'm on call all weekend and uh at 8 p.m on a friday night and at uh 6 a.m on a monday and if uh, if you can't tell that I'm sweating in this room, I'm just latently sweating. My for the past couple of weeks, I've just been damp, and it yeah. sucks. Come on, I just no, want to be dry it's, again. It's a mood. I get it. I just want to be dry again, man. I've I've been damp for so long. Like I just it, it sucks because I think you know we've talked about on this podcast um, and just in general like that we all in in some respects suffer from. 
a certain measure of like anxiety and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. the roughest part for me has been the, the, the lack of a schedule for me has absolutely floored me in, in terms of how much that ramps up, how anxious I get about my job. It, it like, it turns me into like a, it turns me from a golden retriever to a chihuahua. That's how I'll describe that. I'm golden retriever mood most of my life. Right now, I'm a chihuahua, which sucks. I don't want to be a chihuahua. I want to be a golden retriever again. No offense to those of you that have chihuahuas. I love all dogs. I will say that um, the constant sweating has markedly increased the humidity in the room. Well, it certainly marked this chair. Noted not to use that chair next time we record. Um, as for myself, um, I also have been working from home, but probably not as stressed out as, as you, Griff. Um, it's been a not bad transition, um, but I have had some time over the last couple weeks to indulge myself in some fun stuff. So I finished the Jack the Ripper DLC for Assassin's Creed, which is super cool because you get to play as Jack the Ripper and then some other stuff too. It's fucking great. Um, I want. I, I started Peaky Blinders. It's great. Had no idea what that show was about, but it's it's phenomenal. Um, I watched the Juan Origins uh, show on Netflix. A huge trigger warning on that, guys. There's some very, very dark stuff in there, um, and I, you know, I, I give a lot of horror recommendations, and I usually don't give trigger warnings. This one deserves one, but it's it's very good. It's very good. Um, do you mind, I mean, for the people that want to actually listen to it, do you know the, like, kind of triggers you might be looking out for? Yeah, there's there's uh, uh, child abuse and sexual assault. So that's, that's something to keep in mind, but it is, uh, it is a very, very scary show, and I think very well done. Um, but just something to be mindful if you want to check it out. It's only six episodes, and those six episodes are 30 minutes apiece. So I blazed through it in two nights. Um, it, it, for those of you who don't know either, Juwan is the, um, if, if you guys have seen The Grudge, yep. that's the, the Japanese uh, movie or stories that inspired that series or, or where it came from. So this is like basically a precursor to The Grudge. Um, but to get on a little bit of a lighter note, Griff, I finally did it. I finished my... 10 season run through of Bob's Burgers, which was great. Yes! And started <laughs> what awesome. and started what we do in the shadows. I'm oh. halfway through season two. It's so I'm glad you good. took that recommendation because like Durston doesn't hit on, on a good level unless you've heard Matt Berry do uh, his character and what we do in the shadows. Matt Berry kills me. Dude, there, if I could be Matt Berry for a day, I would be the happiest person <laughs> in the world. There was, there was one episode in particular where the vampires from the show are on trial. I'm keeping this very spoiler-free. They're, they're on trial, and somebody testifies against them, and he goes, she speaks the bullshit. She speaks the <laughs> bullshit! And I died when I heard it. I thought he, it was so he's fucking just funny. Like, his delivery is so good. It's like, it's 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 one of those actors like if you, if you haven't heard anything from Matt Berry he's one he's just one of those actors that like can be a phenomenal straight face in this despite all of the bullshit he's throwing at the camera he can he can be the straight man while he's also being completely bullshit 
Yeah. And it's it's one of the funniest thing to see because he never breaks. He never ever breaks and he's just he's he's gregarious and and, and fun to listen to. That's why I, I'm so glad you listened to that because I think I think that's such a good quarantine show because it, it I have not stopped laughing since I've started listening to what we do in the shadows. Since I've started watching what we do in the shadows, it's like it's just smiles. Yeah, <laughs> the whole time makes I, me forget a little bit. They really do a fantastic job of taking vampire tropiness which has been very played out and making it fresh and fun I, th- I think it's phenomenal I think I've told Haley like my biggest goal is to make the vampire book of Karen Crown more like what we do in the shadows and oh, less no. like uh, because it's hard to do horror off of uh, off of a vampire mm-hmm. vampires are so played out everybody knows everything about vampires there's no mystery it's not but if you make it a little bit like what we do in the shadows, and maybe the maybe the vampires are a little jokey, then it gets a little fun. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, I think that probably wraps up, you know, our our little pop culture plug segment of the show. Um, but let's get into the the actual meat of this thing. So, um, Robin, you you've been a, a fantastic part of our community for a very long time, and you have your own show podcast for the untimely dead but it utilizes a system that i don't think many of our listeners are probably familiar with because when i heard about it i was not familiar with it whatsoever it's called wraith the oblivion can you tell us a little bit about that system so wraith the oblivion is set in the world of darkness if you've ever played any world of darkness game it's basically um the setting that i'm playing in is kind of more modern so it would be like an underworld kind of setting. Um, oh my there's God. Like you know vampires, how much love underworld. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like vampires, werewolves. There's also uh, Promethean, which is like Mary Shelley's vamp, uh, Mary Shelley's vampire. Oh my God. Uh, Frankenstein. And uh, yeah, so it takes a whole lot of basically all of the weird and puts it into a modern earth universe. So, like, our setting is in New York City. Uh, probably somewhere around 2015 is about where mm-hmm. everything is. And uh, so you, like, walk around, you have smartphones. But Wraith is in the afterlife. So af- these people who are playing the game, their characters have recently died and are now Wraiths. And um, it's kind of it kind of works like the upside down. Or, like, if you've ever seen Beetlejuice, where they're walking around the house... And they can see people, but they can't interact with them unless yeah, they okay. like they like exhaust themselves using power to make things move in the room and things like that. So like that's you're the poltergeist. Right? Yeah, basically. Um, but fighting those is really annoying. So <laughs> the system is a D10 system, and it works on success and failures. So if the difficulty is higher, um, it would be on the higher scale of the numbers one through ten, and. Mm-hmm say the difficulty is seven and you roll like five dice uh any number seven and over is a success and you need one success to um complete the action but the more successes you have the better you are at the action so so i'm, I'm gonna ask some dumb questions because uh i'm very <laughs> unfamiliar with the setting and i have a 10 intelligence in real life uh, uh eight <laughs> 
All right, calm down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you say it's a D10 system, you exclusively use D10s. You said yes. um, you roll five dice. So those are five D10s, and maybe you need a couple successes that are sevens or above? Mm-hmm. It sounds like for, yep. from that example. You roll a group of D10, um, and that's based on like your stats. If you're a stronger character, you have like your strength and your dex and your con and things like that. Um, but instead of having numbers and putting uh, having like modifiers like you would in D and D or in Pathfinder, um, you just have like uh, strength, and you put you put so many dice in that strength. So if you have three dice in your strength, then that's how many die you would roll to make like a flat strength check. If to you're going to fight, in... go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Robin. I apologize. Um, I was just gonna say, if you're gonna fight something, um, if you're doing like hand-to-hand or melee, you would go strength plus brawl. Brawl being one of your skills, and you have like maybe two dice in that. So you would roll five dice to hit this thing instead of one d twenty. Okay, that's that's. That's very different. So to put this in the context for the listeners that have been listening to the show, like if I were an Ikmer type character, I might have five dice if I were to break down a door because I'm a very strong person. I'm a very adept at doing that. But something like a uh, I'm going to I'm going to convince this guy that uh, he's on my side. I might only have one or two dice to actually do that because I'm not very good at it. Yes. Is that kind of like you just have you have stats the same way? It's like a yep. character sheet. And um you have an allocated amount of points every uh character does. So um like for your for your ability scores and things like that, you would get I believe it's seven or something like that, and you could spread them out over certain sections. Each section has uh their own set amount of points you start with and then as you gain experience points you use your experience points to buy dice to add into oh, your stats that's, mm. that's actually very cool so is that how the I, I i'll air quotes the level up system works there it's not quite a level up but it's an i'm buying my abilities almost so you do gain ranks um in certain aspects of world of darkness so if you're like a werewolf you start as like a rookie basically and you gain ranks to have a higher standing in your pack i feel like i should have made brooks go through this definitely (laughs) definitely should have placed the world of darkness here (laughs) no but i mean so so is it and again i uh, as a completely noob to the system is it is it something like so say i was a vampire and i came into the vamp vampirism as I gained ranks in vampirism, I would become a different level in the vampire society, but also, mm-hmm. do I still get the the bonuses to, like, the, hey, I'm, I'm an adept in the vampire society, but I also get two dice to allocate how I want? How, how, how exactly does so that So, as you gain ranks and stuff like that, there are different, um, I don't want to say prerequisites uh maybe maybe they're like feats that you could compare them to you gain special abilities um so if you start in like your first rank uh you'll have a certain amount of special abilities you start with um and as you 
add dice to your abilities and things like that to make them more powerful. They would also take on um, maybe that ability now does something extra. And uh, it, like, your abilities level with you and okay. grow in rank mm-hmm. with you. And so, yeah, as you would rise in rank, you also rise in um, certain aspects of World of Darkness have, like, a renown. So, like, in Werewolf and Vampire and things like that, you would have more renown in the society and more people will know about you and you'll gain, uh... What are they called? Um, You'll gain resources in the community, so, like, maybe you know a person who can get you into this building and... Uh, oh, disable the alarm cool, for you and things like that. That's such a cool mechanic so. of leveling up. Is like, <laughs> I know a guy. Like, yeah. You, yeah. You, you literally, like, imagine, Steve, it, it, in our game parallel, if you played Max from Lost Co. Like, that's that character, is where, like, oh, I'm leveling up. Hey, uh, one of my brothers, like, actually knows that, you know, could, could probably uh, undo this lock for you or something. Like, that's the coolest thing that you could, it's actually yeah. mechanically built into so that you system. Can, you can put points in your background and basically build a background story off of that. And um, so in Wraith, you also get things uh, that are called fetishes. And your fetishes or your fetters are what keep you tied to the world of the living. Mm -hmm. Um, If all of your fetishes are destroyed or all of your fetters are destroyed, then you basically go into a harrowing and you have to go through some sort of trial to keep existing, or you poof into oblivion and become yeah. a part of the ever-growing oblivion darkness. It's like uh, if you ever saw the... I want to say it's the second never-ending story movie, where the nothing is like de- deteriorating all of Fantasia. That's kind exactly. of what yeah. oblivion is, is the nothing deteriorating all of existence. <laughs> You told me about uh, you. You told me about this mechanic. I think like way before, like when you guys were kind of starting your podcast, and yeah. I was like, "That is the the system in general has so many good story beats that you don't have to build in that are like mechanically in the system." But that is one of those things that is so much cooler than a uh, Pathfinder Dungeons and Dragons like character death is that right. Right, this character like. Actually, there's something that they have agency in happening when that character gets destroyed, I guess, in quotes. But that that terrifies me so much more than a Pathfinder death, because in in, in Pathfinder or I I mean, I don't know too much about like the lore of D&D or something, but I assume it's somewhat similar. Um, and people can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably going to get fucking blasted on the forums. Yeah, you won't. But nobody, nobody listens to us listens to D&D. That's fair. No, uh, they, they do, though. <laughs> but but when, when when you die, you get assigned to an afterlife, and it usually has something to do with your character's actual regular life. You know, you you get slotted into something that works, and it's it's almost in, in a way, it's almost like I don't want to say that death doesn't matter because that's not true at all. But you get rewarded or punished based off of you know how you lived. But it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Robin. It sounds like in Wraith, when you die. That's it. Your, your soul goes to oblivion. Am I wrong? So, if a wraith is destroyed, um, a wraith, your health points are called corpus, and this mm-hmm. is the life force that keeps you sentient as a wraith. And 
once you lose all your corpus, you go into a harrowing. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it's it's just like if you're all of your fetters are destroyed. Um, you go into this harrowing, and it's basically where you have like a willpower fight with your inner demons. So in Wraith, your inner demons are your subconscious, and it's called your shadow. And typically, um, players can play each other's shadows, or we can invite extra players to come in and play the shadow for you. Okay. So uh, as you're being a wraith <laughs> and running around, and uh, so you're in the Shadowlands, and maybe maybe someone is holding your fetters hostage and making you do their bidding until they're done with you, and you're running around doing this stuff, you as a wraith have your own goals. Um, say your fetter is your daughter that you left behind. That mm-hmm. is a real thing that can happen, and if something happens to her, um, then one of your fetters is destroyed. But maybe your goal in li- maybe your goal in the afterlife is to protect her as much as possible. So you just kind of linger around where she frequents, like maybe she frequents home or work. You would have those places as kind of like haunts. And you would linger around them to do things to protect her. Um, Like maybe if you know there's an accident, uh, you know when people are going to die. You have death sight as a wraith. So their soul looks tainted to you and you can smell the death on people. So if you like walk by a 90 year old woman on the sidewalk, you know she's going to die. And you can see her like fading into the shroud and becoming part of the... uh, Shadow or, or or if you walk past Griffin or I, probably okay, gonna have okay, well, okay, okay. But I but I do, I do have I, I do have two things to say uh, with that. Uh, first off, your um, your example makes me feel like uh, you've certainly listened to episode one hundred. I'm looking at Steve. Why? I don't know. Second off, um, and and this is this is one hundred percent geared towards you, Robin, because I know you run this system. How do you? How do you run that piece? How do you run that piece with NPCs? Like, I I find that it would, and again, I don't I don't run any wraith right now. I would love to read the system, but I find that um, mark almost marking NPCs for death in that way would would be very difficult. Like very difficult to allow a player to have that kind of uh, that kind of knowledge at the start. What just when they meet somebody, so I, I don't know if you have any insight into that. That just it boggles my mind because in Pathfinder, like if I was like Horace Croon is old, he's probably gonna die in the next year and a half. Like, okay, that makes sense. Like this guy that you're fighting, does he have an aura of death? Well, uh, turn. Let's see how the combat turns out. You know. So you wouldn't technically be fighting. Um, like a living human or what they call skinwalkers. Um, it's really dark the way they use uh, words and like names for stuff in here. But um, so a skinwalker would just look like any other normal person, but they like you can see their life force or their corpus. Um, but when they're dying, their corpus starts to fade and becomes it looks like a black taint, really. So, like, maybe you'll see, like, black veins or something appearing in this person's likeness, but no one else can see that. You see it because you're a wraith and you know what death feels like. Um, But it's... I don't 
know. I actually haven't had any of them run into that yet. I haven't had them walk by someone and see that they're going to die soon. Uh, I think it's like it's a phenomenal plot hook to be able to give, <laughs> but it's it's also like <laughs> just in my opinion, it's so difficult to balance that. So I'm excited to see like you know when they do experience that, how that comes through. Because yeah, I mean, just think about like it, it, no matter what your goals are as a wraith, like you start to see somebody that is is death tainted in this way like I don't know a single person that I've ever played that with that isn't like well why is that well yeah. what's happening mm-hmm. well what what what's going on and like the the scariest part is when you find out like that person is perfectly healthy well that's horrifying that's yeah. a horrifying plot hook that you just threw in there <laughs> right like that's like that's like well, the, you know, this dude's a 25-year-old guy, like, living his normal life, and his his corpus looks like shit. <laughs> and it's not because of anything he's doing. Well, shit, like, maybe that's where you intervene as, like, the type of, like, you know, whatever you can do on the physical world. So, um, that comes into play, um, it's kind of like having magical abilities, uh, and you would spend what's kind of like mana it's your pathos um that's what it's called and you spend what about ethos <laughs> you spend pathos points to do these crazy abilities uh there's one specific i i'll say school of abilities because that's kind of similar to what you can compare it to uh focus mostly on what you consider like manipulation of the physical world so you can walk by and make a phone ring for no reason. Um, you can use your pathos to type on a keyboard. Um, typing a full sentence would take a whole lot of pathos. That's obviously if you have a lot more experience in doing so. Um, there's one ability called Moliation that one of my players used. Uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but he... They were being entranced by a um, basically a, po- a possessed jukebox, and it was going to make you dance until you danced yourself exhausted, basically, and then the creature was going to attack you. So while one of the players failed their will save, they began dancing around the dance floor like unstoppable. She couldn't stop herself. Mm-hmm. So what the player did is he used his Moliate ability to basically make her ears close in on themselves so she couldn't oh, no. hear the music. Oh, wow. That's actually fucking Uh, awesome, though. Horrifying, but very cool. He can also take his arm and molliate his arm into a blade and just have, like, an arm sword. Sounds like Parasite that you've been talking about. Parasite Parasite anime. Terminator 2. Terminator 2, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, some of the abilities are really, really cool. So, so Robin, this this system in general, I want to take a a step back for a second. It fits into this larger World of Darkness setting, and you said it takes place after, and the characters are dead and stuff. Is is there a a consistent narrative, kind of how... um, I keep going back to what I know, right? So all of the Pathfinder APs canonically happen one after the next. Yeah. Is... um, I, I, I don't know this for certain, but like, it, let's say that, for example, Vampire the Masquerade takes place before, um, before the Ascension, Raid. I believe. Okay. Okay. 
So it that's kind of how that fits in, right? Where this has a definitive place in the world of darkness. Oh, please, Ancient is mage. I'm sorry. Um, the apocalypse is what I was meaning to say. Uh, so Vampire the Masquerade takes place before um, the apocalypse happens, and then everything after the apocalypse is more modern time. Okay. okay. And, and yeah, so this all has like its own slot in the yeah. world of darkness history. That's very cool. Is this system built kind of more for um, for like a, a homebrewer setting where here's your slot in history and here's what your characters in this slot in history could do? Or is it something closer to a, a Pathfinder AP stuff where this is like a this is a predetermined adventure path where your characters walk through? And the reason I'm asking this is because I want to know what your show is about so is this something you're creating from scratch or is this something or is this a story that you have some some back material to tell you how, how to tell it okay so your first question um why not both basically right. there are ap's for several of the different settings mm -hmm. so um wraith the oblivion didn't make it very far before they canceled it in 1999 and they had printed everything they were ever going to print for wraith the oblivion because it was so complicated, people didn't want to learn it, and it wasn't as popular as the other um, game settings, so they cut it off. And I think it only has one AP that I don't really remember the name of right this moment, but I can get to mm. you after the show and uh, show you what it is when I look it up. Um, but yes, there are different APs within the different settings. Um, so there's one setting for Werewolf that's Werewolf Wild West, and you're oh, literally yeah, hold on. werewolf cowboys. We, need, we need to spend conservatively the next hour talking yeah. about that. <laughs> werewolf Wild, werewolf West. Wild West is actually my favorite. So. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I, think, I think we're going to pull you in on, on yeah. some sort of <laughs> werewolf Wild West that's actual play. Because amazing. that sounds like the most fun in it the is world. It is really fun. So it is, it is absolutely what you think it is. It's cowboys and Indians. Mm -hmm. So you have... Also, um, I may be cursed by the moon. <laughs> no, really. Like, it was, <laughs> it's spaghetti western out there, and it's That's so great. That's amazing. I so love cool. it so much. But See, uh, like this, this is what I was most excited about. Like, I, I love that you play Wraith, but I know that World of Darkness goes into some like really it is weird niches. It's so about fast. These. Um. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's spaghetti western, uh, cowboys and Indian style. You have all your different breeds of werewolf. Uh, your class is called your auspice, so it's what phase of the moon you're born under. So I, I do have I do have a That's real great. question here, Robin. <laughs> like, look, why have you not recruited me and Steve to play a recorded session of, of this? Because that sounds like the most fucking fun in the world. I'm a fucking cowboy werewolf. Come on. Yeah, it's, how do it's you get, how do you beat that? How do you beat that? Like fucking um we have a ton there's a ton of there's a ton of systems out there. What beats that though? What no, beats that? It doesn't. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You can't beat that. <laughs> So, 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 Robin, in in this big world of uh, the world of darkness setting, where does your show slot in? It's in. It's obviously in like the Wraith time frame, but is is this homebrew? What story are you telling? It's homebrew. Um, okay. Basically, there's the story 
there's an imbalance in the Skinlands and the Shadowlands. And what's happening is, so in every major city, there's a hot spot where the shroud is thin and um, a lot more paranormal things happen in places like that. So in really big cities, basically where there's the most, uh, you would consider corruption. Uh, in the world of darkness, it's also considered worm taint. And the worm is the corruptor that turns like werewolves into black spirals and things like that. Um, so in the more tainted places where there's a lot of smog and a lot of corruption and things like that, there are really thin spots in the shroud. And that's kind of where we start in New York City and in Manhattan and things like that, because they're really, really busy, heavily tainted places. And a lot of dark, heavy stuff happens there. So, Do you um, find yourself um, referencing real-world material for that? Because I, I feel like Especially with a place like, yeah, well, (laughs) awesome. Especially with a place like New York or like L.A. or something, there are so many prolific like murder sites, haunted Mm -hmm. sites, like that. Yep, that's such cool material to be able to like weave into that kind of story because it's more modern. Um, Do do you find yourself using that kind of stuff? So I find myself a lot of times googling uh, places that used to exist in New York, um, because actually one of the bars that we go into uh, is a real bar that used to exist that is no longer there. It's closed down. So uh, I actually try to reference as many um, correct street names and things like that as possible. Um, a lot of times it's it, it absolutely has to be done on the fly. You can't just prepare it all the time because you don't know where the players are going to go. And if you sit there and pair everything as much as I know you do, uh, Griffin, um, I'm going to be real disappointed because (laughs) they're going to do some off-the-wall other thing and all of my preparation is gone to absolute waste. So a lot of everything that I have to do is on the fly. And uh, we have to cut a lot of spaces out of our um, episodes because it'll be spaces where the characters are like, okay, so what's the quickest way to here? And I'm like... Okay, Google Maps. Let me get, let me get that for you. That's so cool. Well, though. you're That's also so a ghost, cool. so you could probably go yeah. through a couple buildings. Um, not exactly. Uh oh. You can use your pathos and use abilities to walk through walls a little later. Oh, when shit. You're- that's, like, that's like a trained ability. That's yes. actually super cool. You can't yeah. actually manipulate anything in the living, the world of the living, unless you have an ability that allows you to. So uh, wraiths can't open doors. <laughs> oh no! At Amazing. All. They can't. They can't open doors. Walk through walls, baby. That's your first ability. Well, so, um, uh, I had to flavor a lot of weird spots in where one of the other players is like, "Well, I'll just open the door for you," because he is a Corex, which is a were raven. So he's he has an amulet that allows him to walk around the Shadowlands. See this 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 gives me a lot of like what we do in the Shadows vibes, which we yeah. just talked about. Which is is like it's a funny thing that 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 it it's kind of the same concept. It's like uh, we're old school where or we're old school vampires. Like we're going to a 2020 club. Like yeah. the bouncer has to let us in. 
Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the, the bouncer has to let us. In. It's, it's the same thing. It's like we need to have some dude open the door. Like some somebody's got to like come here and open the door. Yeah. At level at level one, and, and granted, it's not all levels, but like at, at your basis form, it's like I gotta have somebody open this door for me so I can yeah. get in here. Like, <laughs> I gotta wait around. I gotta chill, and that's exactly what what we do in the shadows does. Is like. Well, we're just going to hang out here until somebody lets us in. <laughs> I had so, to fumble so, some stuff in the beginning because we were we were trying to do some things, and it's like, well, technically the rules won't let you do this, but we're going to try to make it work. So I kind of flavored in, like, if you, if you make a certain strength roll, I'll let you physically manipulate this object, yeah. but you're going to be tired and you can't do it again. Like, things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I would uh, suggest to to you and your players maybe uh, try revolving doors or uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to get uh, the automatic door motion detector like sliding doors. No, no, one cool. thing, one thing I um, I'm curious about, and not me personally because I know you, Robin, but um, for the listeners of this show, we've talked a lot about Wraith, but we haven't talked a lot about you. <laughs> and I, I'd kind of, I, I, I would, I kind of want this as an opportunity to like introduce yourself. I know a lot of the people that listen to our show are a part of the Discord and know you very well, but um, some of them might not. And um, like, what are you into? Who are you? Boy, <laughs> an, an important thing to bring up in minute forty nine. Well, Steve, you went right into Wraith, which is really cool because like we just had like an amazing conversation about Wraith, but I, I do I, I do want to give Rob. No, a I, chance I, I, to, I'm just giving you a hard time. I think it's very yourself. valid, yeah. I'm not good at talking about myself. What do you want to know? Just give us a little bit. I mean like uh, so so you you play Wraith, yeah. you play a podcast that that centers around the Wraith system, the World of Darkness system, kind but of. like but, but those are spoilers, what, and I won't tell you about them yet. <laughs> but like, what? Um, what is? I guess your TTRPG experience. Who are you? Like, what? What do you enjoy about TTRPGs? And um, you know, on on top of that, like, we've gotten a huge insight into what Wraith is. Um, but I know you also play. Pathfinder and D and D and these other things, and you 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 listen to us, and we play Pathfinder, right? So um, you have a unique insight into not only the differences between the systems, but what you what you really enjoy about the systems. And so I wouldn't ask you to compare any systems, but just uh, you know, as you talk about your TTRPG experience, I I'd, I'd love to know what. Um, what you enjoy in a TTRPG because you have such vast experience. Um, it just feels like I um, really enjoy the, the best for Like, Oh, I really like this. Not that <laughs> the role play aspect. Sure. Yeah. So I, I really like the role play aspect. Um, I don't know. I've always been one of those uh, imposter syndrome people. You know, I don't, I don't ever give myself a whole lot of credit for much of anything. So, my favorite thing to do is to pretend to be someone else. And, uh... So, I didn't know about D&D and stuff like that until I was a little older and I was about uh, 14 or 15. 
And my neighbor saw that I was an artist and I was always outside like doodling or painting or like sitting in the hammock and um, drawing the tree in front of me, things like that. So he he's like, I have this D&D book. And I'm like, what's D&D? And he goes, Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, dope. Like, I've kind of heard about this in like movies and things like that. So cool. Like, I'm interested. I love fantasy things. And he brings me this book and it's a 3.5 monster manual. And it... I think it was around the time that 3.5 was released, but I'm not positive. Um, and he brings it to me and I'm going through it and I ended up drawing like the water nymph out of the uh, first monster manual. And I added it into like my portfolio in high school and, um, and it just kind of, I fell down the hoop there. I was like reading <laughs> the monster manual about all of the monsters and I was like, wow, like Loth is really cool. Um, I really love like the whole uh, Gorgon thing and like spiders and like this stuff is bonkers and I super super enjoyed like all of the high fantasy part so then um, I didn't know anybody that played I lived in this country bumpkin like little town in North Carolina like 45 minutes to an hour away from literally anything important like a movie theater we didn't have one <laughs> we, they still don't have one <laughs> so it was like the only thing I knew was video games and like going outside. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I, I didn't know um, I didn't know the board game aspect was even a really huge thing. I just I had a few board games, but nothing that was like adventurous. Like now we own Gloomhaven and that game is huge and it's intimidating. <laughs> it's yeah. terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well I think the the board game thing has been, you know, Especially because, you know, all three of us are adults. The 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 big board gaming boom has happened while we've all been adults. Like yeah. we all grew up yeah. on shitty board games comparatively. Oh boy, I can't wait to play Sorry again. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wait, Clue the dice are con- the dice are contained in this popper here. Oh, I think oh. you're thinking about trouble. I'm thinking about trouble. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. You're right. You're trouble right. is wild. Sorry, I mixed those two fucking games up. Well, <laughs> they're really just, similar though. I think they're just like knockoffs. Of <laughs> the same game. Just, just, just wait until we have that behind the paywall, uh, full character built uh, trouble. Patreon podcast. Nothing but trouble. TTRPG using the trouble system. But yeah, I didn't actually learn to play D&D until I was like 19. And I had moved away from North Carolina and moved to Maryland. And uh, yeah, I met a like 40-year-old guy and a couple of his friends who were like younger that were about my ex's age. And we went over and hung out. And I would kind of sit through and like listen to them play, but never Mm -hmm. really played well when my 20th birthday came around, um, they taught me how to play D&D 3.5, and they bought me my first uh, player's handbook and my first miniature and everything. So I actually still have my miniature is in this little box. Those of you that are listening uh, to this cannot see this, but no. she has brought up a, Let's a see. I want to see it. Which I would love to see. I it. never painted it for some reason, but uh, here you go. Oh, oh, you got the scythe and everything. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, it looks tight. So um, I flavored it. I I don't know how we found this miniature even, but it's one of my favorite things. My first D&D character ever was a drow who, Mm -hmm. um, upon her family finding out about her uh, love affair with one of her servants, killed him. 
and she renounced Loth and her family and went to the surface in order to become stronger to gain revenge. Well, that's when Vecna reached out to her and was like, hey, I can give you all of these powers and you be my priestess and do these things for me and I'll help you bring back the love of your life. And she was like, down. Okay, now I'm a priestess of Vecna. And uh, so yeah, she was basically like a reaper for Vecna and went around like bringing things back and her whole goal was to become a lich and bring back the love of her life so they could live an undead life forever. Yeah, those of you that are strictly Pathfinder may not know what kind of uh, person Vecna is, but... It's a, he it's is a, the Lich King. <laughs> yes, mm. it's uh, it's it's very much like an analog would be the Whispering Tyrant. I feel like in in Galarian lore, uh, except a, like say the Whispering Tyrant had reached deific status. Maybe almost Ergothoa is more what Vecna is. Yeah. Um, but like, <laughs> you need to you and Haley need to have a one on one conversation about Drow. <laughs> she is like a you and Steve might need to have that conversation at some point. Maybe we do, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I will say though, guys, as much as I'm loving everything we're doing, we got a lot on the agenda. We, we got a lot to lot talk on the about. Agenda. Uh, I could talk uh, well, forever. Just, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I again, no, that's, I just, that's, I just that's want not a on you. To, that's us not being able to host. Yeah, no, I just I just wanted Robin to be able to introduce herself. Of uh, course, and you know. We we went right into world. I like metal or, uh, and video games. There exactly, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, I definitely took that for granted. Being like, I actually know Robin. Okay, let's just start chatting and uh, not really thinking that the people at home don't know. <laughs> people at home maybe don't. Uh, okay, so next up on the agenda is to do a little thing we like to call my favorite monster. This is where we dive into a Pathfinder. Uh, creature enemy whatever you like to call it that also has a real world analog where we talk a little bit about um how that how that creature might exist in the pathfinder world and how that creature might exist outside of it and tonight i thought it would be a good idea to talk about the medusa because i know that's something that is very close to robin's heart yeah literally literally (laughs) Yeah, I actually love the Greek myths of her so much and uh, kind of get a lot of like little feminist vibes off of that because, you know, even though Perseus lopped off her head, like she could still turn things to stone. I think that's dope. So I got her tattooed on me. So I think uh, (laughs) with that as a lead in, uh, usually we do my favorite monster in three parts and um, one part is the real world analog, one part is the Pathfinder analog, and then one part is the Pathfinder stat block and how you might use that in your game. Um, we have the unique pleasure of having a Medusa expert here with us, and so I, I definitely want to start this with the real world analog. So you've talked a little bit about Perseus, but like, let's get into the lore of Medusa in Greek mythology. Who is that girl? <laughs> who's she, who's so, she at? Medusa was one of three of the Gorgon sisters. Um, 
there actually is a lot of there are a lot of different legends as to where she came from um mm-hmm. and who her sisters were so we're we can just go with what your notes say <laughs> <laughs> because i don't want to get into each different there are so many um, yeah, let's get let's give one telling i mean that that seems fair yeah so um basically they they're kind of sea goddesses. They were the daughter of Forces and Ceto. And uh, basically what happened is Medusa was a priestess of Athena. And she ended up ha- breaking her celibacy and having an affair with Poseidon, which enraged Athena, not only because she broke her, th- her uh, celibacy, but also made her very jealous because Medusa was actually very, very beautiful. And basically what happened is Athena cursed her with, like, this golden skin and, like, green, like, tint to her skin and scales and kind of elongated her face. Just kind of made her more uh, snake-like and permanently ugly uh, so no one would ever want to love her again. And later, uh, in an effort to save his own mother, Perseus decided to ask the gods for help to kill Medusa because he knew it was basically impossible for anyone to get close to her. So she was given, or he was given um, a shield and a sword by the gods to do his bidding. And uh, I believe a helmet as well. I don't re- welcome, really Edward. remember. I, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah I, yeah, I know there was, definitely. there were, there were several different things from different gods. Wasn't the, yeah. wasn't the point of the shield that it, it was mirrored, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. mirrored. Shield. It was it was, was highly cool. reflective yeah. and very clean, um, and he used that reflection against her. By instead of looking her in the face, he looked at his shield to see where she was, so he could make his killing blow. And uh, that is how he killed her. And then he put her, her head on Athena's shield, so she could kind of use that shield as a weapon, right? To yes. Petrify her uh, her enemies. Basically, yeah. Um, it, there are legends that say it was donned on her armor and many mm-hmm. other things, but I think the most common one is that she donned Medusa's head on her shield so that she could use her face against people. Yeah. I I, I, I kind of had always uh, seen Medusa as like an enemy or a horrific creature because of what pop culture has told me. But when I started doing a little bit of research for this, she's actually a very sympathetic character. Yeah, kind of a tragic yeah. character, obviously. Yeah. Yep. And it, 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 it definitely changed my perspective on, on her actually like doing homework on it. Yeah, um, I definitely love the fact that... Um, Yes, she was portrayed as a monster in so many different ways, but like you said, when you read her story, you kind of feel for her like, okay, all she did was exist and mm-hmm. then have this affair. Well, I mean, she was a priestess of Athena and she broken her vow of celibacy. But like, come on. <laughs> come on. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Well, she it's, had it's, an it's, affair and she was killed for it and made a trophy it's honestly like a an artifact of literally what age of of greek history that that was developed in that the story was developed in because like honestly that that culture like had 
different stages of women's rights and different, you know, the different things happened actually in Greek culture and, and you wouldn't have that story if it happened a hundred years later. It's yeah. very interesting in, in, in the culture of the whole thing and how it, how it exists to this day as a, um, as an almost beacon of like, this is a snapshot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because from what I understand, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Robin, it was that we're talking about this affair she had with Poseidon. Poseidon mm-hmm. was the married one. Like, she just wanted to fuck. Like, he was the one that <laughs> was breaking vows, uh, and she yeah. got punished for it. Poseidon. Well, Listen, he's got to try it, bud. You the know? only sister who was mortal. Mm-hmm. So she was killable. You just had to get close to her. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, I guess, I mean... Poseidon was also a really horny god. Like he's he's not far behind Zeus in the every in the, single fucking Greek stuff. god was horny on Maine. Like, <laughs> like, let's just let that let let that go because it happened. But uh, yeah. A- apparently, when her head was cut off, uh, she birthed two children out of her neck, and they pursued Perseus, but they were unsuccessful in killing him. And that was... Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just about to say that I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes when we do My Favorite Monster, we talk about how the creature reproduces. Yeah. (laughs) Because Pathfinder creatures tend to have wild reproduction. Well, we definitely have, like, a couple different ways the Medusa would have reproduced. A, preferably with Poseidon. B. B, how it actually happened. Uh, Yeah, she she birthed uh, Kirisar... I don't know and if I'm Pegasus. saying that right. And Pegasus, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> wait, she—I did not a, know this a piece. Flying horse, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she produced Pegasus. The Medusa produced Pegasus yes. out of her severed neck. Jesus yeah. Christ! You guys have a lot to thank. <laughs> I, I don't know how biologically that works. And, and Kirasaur was like—I don't a, know like how ornithologically that works. A giant with a sword or whatever. So that's <laughs> strange too. Um, but yeah. Weird things happens with mortals when mortals mate with gods. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so. You're right. You're right. I it guess happens. so. But but to round out, like in in actual real life, how this story has uh, cascaded down through the ages, uh, Medusa herself has been. I, I don't know if the word is honored or revered or whatever, but you actually see her name appear. Um, we were talking about Latin earlier. All these Latin scientific you names. You were the only one talking about uh, that. We were, talk- we were all talking about it. No, um, you were the only one. But you actually <laughs> see her name appear as, you know, in part of the scientific name for various species and genuses um, for a lot of different creatures like snakes and mollusks and jellyfish because they share characteristics to post-curse uh, Medusa, which is interesting to me. Also, you see her on the flag of Sicily, and if we're talking pop culture here, something that I didn't know, Medusa's face is the logo of Versace. I think oh, I was, yeah. I didn't know that either. Um, you see her in Clash of the Titans. Uh, Griff, you probably know her from Percy Jackson. I know you're a huge fan. No, I was, I was a Clash of the Titans guy, though. You know. The remake, though, right? Yeah, the remake. Of course. <laughs> the one that was... Totally really good. Very good. Definitely good. Very good. Definitely saw that in theaters. I actually did. I, I actually did, too. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I was going to say, the only time I saw it was in theaters, and I thought it was going to be real tight. It was not. 
Um, and yeah, she appears in a bunch of different different games and stuff like God of War, you'd assume. But uh, she also is a fourth level creature from the dungeon town of Heroes of Might and Magic 3. You upgrade her to a Medusa Queen. God damn, you're Pretty bringing dope. up Heroes of Might and Magic again. Dungeon, best castle. <laughs> you don't have dungeon to do that. You don't town. have to do this every time. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking rock dungeon. Um, so now that we've ch- chatted a little bit about who Medusa was and kind of how her story has cascaded through the decades and the centuries and all that nonsense, uh, Griff, you want to talk about a little uh, a little of how she affects Pathfinder and exists. I believe the PSFRD flavor text is this slender, attractive woman has strangely glowing eyes and a full head of hissing snakes for hair. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely talk about um, Medusa here. Uh, surprisingly, as you know, as built up as she is in mythology, uh, only a CR seven creature. So, kind of a, a middle of the road uh, creature that you would encounter your players with. And most of that CR actually isn't tied into her offensive abilities. She's only got a fifteen AC. She's only got um, she got a dagger attack. Uh, she can hit twice. Plus ten. Plus five. 1d4 damage uh, and a snake bite from the snakes on her head which actually does some poison but the big things are that she has all around vision so with all of the snakes in her hair she actually gets the neurological input from each of those snakes can see everything around her head she has a petrifying gaze which you would expect um, permanent so this is why this is CR7 Permanent turn to stone within 30 feet. Fortitude DC 16 negates. The save DC is charisma based. A, a creature that has all of around vision and can, you know, the only way it can really be attacked is with melee. I mean, I know you can like start firing shit off on it, but you have to look away, which makes ranged mm-hmm. options very interesting. That makes this a hard encounter. That's why this is difficult. And then you get the snake bite, which is a fortitude save DC 18. Uh, frequency one per round for six rounds is 1d3 strength damage, and it's two consecutive saves secure. So that has the potential, especially for like a level five party fighting this, to have somebody taking strength damage round over round over round. A DC 18, if you hit your bard or something, is going to be very difficult to overcome And at, at that kind of level. Like, at, at mm-hmm. where a Medusa is appropriate, a CR 7 character or creature is appropriate in a 5th level party as a hard encounter. That is tough. That I mean, the, the poison sucks, and then every round you're also making that save against turning into stone, which is a DC 16, which is a 50-50 chance on a decent amount of 5th level characters. This is a fun encounter, but the deadliness of the Medusa should not be minimized. The reason you bring this in is if you want to kill two players. And you're not killing them, but you turn them to stone before the characters are ready and able to turn a character to go flesh to f- or stone to flesh. They can't do that. It, 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 this this type of an enemy is horrifying for lower levels. 
it's a TPK at lower levels and it doesn't have to kill you. All it has to do is turn you to stone. And then what do you what do you do? Got nothing. Like that that is how you play this. You play this I mean you could play this against a level seven party and you could still lose two PCs. That's mm-hmm. that's the scary nature of the Medusa is that that even at level seven it's hard and expensive to turn someone back from stone. Yeah. And it's basically a death sentence. And and if you make a wrong move in combat as a GM, if you are running this and you have somebody turned to stone, you better goddamn make people roll like reflex saves next to that statue not to knock it over. Yeah. Because I you guarantee, shatter your friend. I guarantee you that your friend was not in the ideal balanced position to stand up to getting bumped. And as if you were in a museum, if you bump that character and they shatter, well, now that turns from a, a flesh or a stone to flesh, which would turn them into a screaming mass of bits into a like wish spell at that point. Like, oh, you, you literally need like profession sculptor if you have a plus 10 in profession sculptor maybe you can put that together or you gotta find that dude and that's uh, I mean like I've dealt with Basilisk I've run Basilisk on the podcast the Medusa is something else because it's much harder to save against that a Basilisk I think is like a DC 12 against their mm-hmm. against their petrifying gaze and you can cure it with the blood a Medusa there is no cure and if you kill the Medusa you're probably honestly almost worse off because now you like you I have no reference point. I had a D&D character get turned to stone by a basilisk oh no <laughs> yeah yeah this this happened for us pretty recently in our Return of the Rune Lords off pod game this happened to Emily she got turned to stone from a Medusa it was <laughs> we did stuff. exactly what I said you shouldn't do, which is push her over, shatter her. She's dead now, and then re- resurrect her. <laughs> that was the co- that was that was the that was a solution. Yeah, if you have well, those yeah, abilities, as long as you have like a part of her, you can still bring her back, right? Yes, yeah. depends on the spell, but yes. All right. Well, I think that fairly uh, fairly wraps up our my favorite monster segment for Medusa. Uh, before we hop into listener questions here, uh, I, I love hearing about weird, wild, crazy characters. <laughs> and and Robin, I know you're involved in a game, uh, a Pathfinder game, where you are playing in the are strange... weird, wild, crazy character. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Maybe. Uh, in the Strange Aeons uh, adventure path for from Pathfinder. Yeah. Pretty pretty wild AP to begin with. But I know this is getting run by Alex Giordano. Our buddy Chris is in it. I, is, I, I, know, I know it's, 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 it's a uh, Tristan's yeah, it's in it. Yeah. Absolute star-studded um, cast. Who else is in that? It's Tristan, um, Chris, you... Uh, someone, someone named Kayla that... Uh, Kayla, yes, we know Kayla because Kayla runs the Twitch stream. Because you guys yeah. do stream it on Tuesdays. Yep. Um, is it just the four of you, or is there? A four? Um, for now, uh, actually, one of my personal friends, his name's Joey. He plays with us um, in my D and D game. Nice. And uh, yeah, my friend Dante runs D and D game for me and my friend Joey and a few other people on Saturday nights. So 
we get to go back and play that, but he's going to, I think, play some kind of, like, war-casting, cleric, healer Anything type that character. can heal! Anything yeah. that can heal Well, for I your mean, party. we're doing okay so Literally far. Anything. I can I can cast Cure Wounds, okay? Like, I have prepared Sweet. spells. So, so Robin, <laughs> could you do us a favor here and kind of tell us about who this character is and, and the build behind it? Because you were very excited about it on, on our Discord, <laughs> and I loved what I heard. So I'd like if you could share that with the rest of the world, because it's fucking okay. cool. So, well, actually, originally I was going to play a bard, a bard of whispers, and I... Well, something kind of like that, similar, because... I play both D&D and Pathfinder a lot, and I mix the two together, because I learned in 3.5, so it's like all... Anyway, yeah, I mean, it makes um, sense that it works, right? Yeah, it's, it's really hard for me, because I mix all of the rules all together, and it's like three games that I'm talking about. But, um, so, originally I was just going to play a Tiefling Bard, who's like super-duper charismatic and maybe slightly evil, but... Uh, Alex is like, so we're gonna roll for your physical attributes on these random charts. And I'm like, okay. Like, I uh, had this idea that I uh, was going for. So he starts rolling for my physical attributes on some kind of tiefling chart. And this is what we rolled. We rolled that I have uh, extra joints. Um, so he decided to flavor those in my arms. Like, I have two elbows. So my arms bend like a praying mantis. I have no ears. Uh, my horns are draconic. Um, for legs, we rolled other, so he let me choose them, and for tail, he rolled aquatic. So because my tail is aquatic and I get to choose my legs, I asked if I could have uh, a snake bottom half and just have, like, an aquatic snake body. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And I was Absolutely. like, this is how we're doing this then. So she is a, like, tiefling help... Uh, yeah, she's, like, hellborn, so um, she has, like, the real angular face, and then the dragon horns, and she's, like, a little scaly, but then her tail has, like, a fin on it. Okay. And the creepy arms. Oh, and we rolled that she smells bad. The arms which is bother me the most, I think. Like, the smell oh, bad thing. Oh, I love the arms like, so much. Oh, God, I can't do praying mantis arms on a fucking humanoid person. It I was trying to get wrong, and that's bizarre. (laughs) But I think Steve knows a little bit about playing a Hellborn Tiefling. Sure do. (laughs) Lots of fun. Um, And and so you said you were going for a bard originally, but what did you actually settle on? So I ended up going uh, Druid, because I was like, dope, I can be like a Gorgon Druid. This would be so great. It's my swamp. This Mm, is my swamp. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, she smells funny because she's like, bog water swamp witch (laughs) druid like this is gonna be fantastic but as we kept building the character i kept changing what i wanted uh so i ended up going with snake shaman druid so instead of having wild shape i take an aspect of the snake well then then i asked alex i was like alex if i take the aspect of a snake he's like your whole snake like i (laughs) you you're just snake. I was like, but but hear me out. If I take the aspect of a snake, can I unhinge my jaw and swallow things? Oh, God. You're going full <laughs> Nana Opal over there, and I can't say I don't love it. He said I... He was like, well, according to the rules, we can't really do swallow whole unless you're a witch. 
like a gingerbread witch. And I was like, but what if I took the aspect of a snake and unhinged my jaw? Can I do it? And he's like, you know what? We're going to flavor it this way. You can't do it until level two. And then I'll give you the swallow whole option. Um, we're not taking like the bonus feats that come with the AP because he doesn't want my character to be OP. Yeah, sure. So sure. I, I can only swallow things that are smaller than me and they have to make rolls to get out. So he has like this whole mechanic chart that he's written out for this so well, that I, I can swallow I my you, enemies. I hope you realize that um, his mechanic chart is written off of the rules for Swallow Hole, which is going to yeah. hurt a lot. <laughs> yeah, be careful. So when be I careful. Swallow, get out. <laughs> yeah, but enemies can get out. Uh we also had to think about it because Chris was like, well, what if I enlarge her? Then she's mm. a giant snake. Of course Chris would do that. Chris. <laughs> fuck you, Chris. I love you, but so fuck you, because you would Alex say that. Alex was like, yeah, she could swallow a medium-sized creature, but at the same time, enlarging something like that only lasts like a full minute, which is uh, good for oh. combat, but I'm going to shrink. And he was, and so Alex was like, so what could happen is several things. If you swallow this person and then you shrink back to your normal size, you could brush them. You could explode. You could, and he was like, I'm going to say you vomit them out. Can you tell Alex a quick thing from me? Um, You can't enlarge a tiefling unless they take a special um, ancestor or a special racial feat to be enlarged because they are uh, native outsiders and so it doesn't enlarge person trust me I've been in this doesn't work on tieflings well I guess in this game it's gonna (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll let Alex know I'll let Alex know how that but but, um, you know I'm I'm also saying that I mean he looks up to you a lot for like maybe in your background you should have just picked the um there's a tiefling alternative racial trait that allows you to be affected by human and outsider things. Um, pick that because it lets you be. Affected I don't know by anything it. about my background. Well, um, that's part of the AP. We don't. I'll know. tell Alex. I'll tell Alex if he wants you to get big, he should pick that for you. It's a. It was the thing with Saw. It's a. You know, it's the thing with every tiefling and Asimar. God, an enlarged uh, Saw is terrifying. And I, love it. I mean, Saw already gets big, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's it's one of those things that kind of tries to rein in <laughs> those races because they get a little bonkers, yeah. as you yeah. just described. I uh, I personally played a tiefling in our um, in our Return of the Rulers campaign and rolled on that table, and yeah. I got I got other horns, so I decided to have fucking big ass moose horns. <laughs> because like you know it's like How other horns doors? well the horns aren't draconic they're not uh you know you 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 have options already and then there's other and i'm like well nothing says moose so i'm just gonna go for fucking moose horns <laughs> uh and he was like seven feet tall and you know, oh my god a, you know a, a huge like walking bullwinkle a, a fighter uh character and just yeah had these huge ass moose horns I love that table for for the just amount because it's 
it's literally a hundred options. Like it's it's yeah. goddamn well, near close to a hundred options. You roll a hundred percent, and I think it's at least ninety to a hundred options. I got a couple weird things too. So like, um, the Timothy joints uh, gives me a plus two racial bonus on acrobatics and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I can speak to insects for whatever reason. Just cause. Oh, just sure. Yeah, it was just one of the things like, that we rolled on the chart is mouth. that I can speak to insects. Um, the misplaced my ears thing uh, gives me sonic resistance, which is cool. And um, for whatever reason, I can bleed and collect five silver pieces worth of my blood per day and sell it. Uh, that's because you can sell it for infernal healing because you are enough of a devil to warrant it, which is really cool and a nice like, oh, well, I don't have to fucking do anything. It's just gonna, it makes uh, money. Yeah, but where we are, we're like with a whole bunch of survivor refugees. They don't have crap. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, strange aeons, you can maybe do that in book four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From what so, I understand, uh, we're not going to have that option for a little bit. So, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, she's, and I play her kind of like, so she's really smart. Her strength is only an 11. Um, her dex is pretty high at a 16 and her charisma is a seven. So it's a minus two. You know, sure. Because she's like, look at her. (laughs) She's a demon devil snake thing with like extra joints in her arms like she's not charismatic but she's really smart she has a 16 intelligence and a 20 wisdom so i know i know like six languages there you go i picked uh common infernal sylvan draconic um desiriac the language of the insects and druidic (laughs) there you go very fair um, mostly for flavor <laughs> I, I i think it's fucking great and we did get some questions about this character when oh you want to you want to <laughs> hop into those lister questions I, th- I think this is a perfect segue um because a lot of people or rather i, I it's just tristan right so yeah, mostly uh, just tristan so by drunk master tart is asking when did you decide your snake companion should be named gary uh, so my snake companion's name is not Gary. <laughs> that started with Alex and has been continued. He keeps pestering me to name my snake Gary. Apparently he really likes when uh, like fantasy creatures n- are named normal Have like normal human names. names. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't say I that like, I hate no. that either. <laughs> so actually um, because we don't know what our names are or anything like that in Strange Aeons, with a wisdom and an intelligence as high as I have, I decided to name my character after another uh, Greek mythology character, and her name is Niobe. Dope. Um, basically, I, I guess it's pronounced Niobe. We're going to say it is. Um, so her name is after a character who is probably one of the loneliest uh, mythological people because she bragged about having all of these children, seven of them exactly. Um, I believe it was seven. And um, I think it was Athena and a few, and Athena and her sibling that went and killed all of her children. 
and then they um, that turned her to stone. That Athena. Yeah, they killed all of her children and turned her to stone. So she's known to be like one of the loneliest, uh, basically a martyr. I didn't um, know her as I Athena. I'd call her Carol Baskin. <laughs> kind of, yeah, you know. Don't fuck with Athena. Bitch, Athena. My Cobra friend I named Ka, who is uh, the snake in the Jungle Book. <laughs> Interesting. So that brings me to my next question from Alex the Slurp Sweden. Why do you believe that all animal companions should be named Gary? <laughs> I don't. It, that is don't. Alex. <laughs> Alex just is hmm. Alex. I love him dearly. He's a very great friend. Do you know that uh, Ka is like God in a decent amount of fiction? Mm-hmm. Especially, like, if you read the Dark Tower series, like, the Ka-Atet and stuff mm-hmm. is all, like, God-referential. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Yep. But it's a, it's a, it's definitely a, a cool name for a creature that's not necessarily in that universe, but has that kind of... So my, my creature is a cobra, like a spitting cobra. So it's just like this little red cobra that spits poison, and I took the spell um, Acid Moth so I could oh, nice. make it bite yeah. and like leave acid damage. That's really cool. But yeah. No Gary. Mm-hmm. No Gary. Well, that's I mean, interesting, because, because our, our, our other question from Tristan is, uh, what's the worst thing you've threatened to do to a fellow p- uh, party member? I don't know if there's a story behind that or not, but he's also asking, why do you hate Gary so much? He just wants to love you. I, I don't hate Gary. Gary doesn't exist because I didn't name my <laughs> snake Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I love my snake. He's great. Tristan he's and Alex just being complete jabronis here. Yeah, they're special. <laughs> well, you decided to filter the questions in, Steve, so I, I don't know what kind of jabroni oh, that they makes kept you. going it was it was literally nothing but questions about gary yeah, i saw i saw those yeah yeah i'm, I'm an enabler um but what do we have a worse thing that we've threatened to do to fellow party members um i said now i can swallow a hole and i think i threatened to eat his character I, oh uh, my so god i can't top that is it okay if i extend this um because i'm just curious to hear with the wraith system like as a as a gm is there something you've you've threatened in that system that is like particularly <sighs> yes actually uh i didn't just threaten i did it but then we lost that entire episode oh, in like, oh no in episode four so i'll explain what actually happened uh when we were recording um we were supposed to be climbing the uh We were supposed to be climbing the... Oh my god, what is the name of the tower? <laughs> Empire State Building. Yes, the Empire State Building. Yeah, oh, oh my god, god. thank you. Well, I mean, it's the only really tall tower in New York. York. That big boy so, in New York. My brain just freaking stopped for a second. So <laughs> they were supposed to be climbing the Empire State Building, um, trying to get up because something was going on in the top and they wouldn't move. They were just like, oh, we went like so many stairs and now we're tired and we're just gonna sit and wait. And I'm like, you're just gonna sit and wait? They're like, yep, we're gonna sit and wait here because I don't feel like climbing anymore. And I was like, okay. So uh, 
roll an alert and awareness for me, please. It's like I'm basically making them roll perception to see if they know what's mm -hmm. happening. And uh, uh, they were like, okay, this is what I rolled. I was like, okay, well, you hear like a storm coming and it's rumbling. And then the floor starts to rumble. And it starts to get harder and louder and louder. And they're like, so what do we do? I was like, I don't know. What do you do? Time's, time's ticking. <laughs> what are you doing? Time keeps on ticking. ticking so ticking. they're like, holy shit, we run up the stairs. So as they're running up the stairs, there's basically a tornado chasing them up the stairs, making them go. <laughs> because I was like, we can't have this episode be just like you guys sitting here. So I'm going to try to kill you instead. So as they're running up the stairs away from this creature, I make them all make like climb checks and um, like dexterity saves to see if they're being hit by debris. And the character in question that was specifically adamant on sitting and waiting and taking a nap gets hit by a two by four and falls down the stairs. Oh no. If my friend Chris's character, Torsten, didn't roll well enough to see that and grab her, she would have been toast. Like one hundred percent. If you fall into, into the storm, you're done. Your character is instant harrowing. <laughs> but I That's was being really up. salty because I couldn't get my players. Like I'm like, yeah, this is on this floor. This is on this floor. Um, you don't really find anything in this room. Uh, Artemis finds this Zippo. Trust me, I've been and, salty in that kind of scenario. Yeah, and I was so mad that they're just like, well, Steve we're just gonna it. wait. And oh, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, no, you're not waiting. So you I can't wait. Them. I refuse to <laughs> I let you wait. Them instead. <laughs> Sorry, rest is not an option right now. <laughs> Basically. I love that. I was though. really upset that we lost all of it because I was like, oh, you guys were scared shitless. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you really look for as a GM. Those special exactly. moments where you can exactly. scare people shitless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of which, we have a question from Lord Deathquake. When does the Inquisition to root out all the team no slurp heretics begin? Oh wow! I it's think all, we can all. When do you want it to start? One. Let's it's, go. <laughs> baby, it's already begun. It's already you don't begun. Even know. Has it? I mean, like you know, I, I gotta I gotta play both sides. You guys know, as a GM, I am team slurp adamantly, mm -hmm. but um, but I have to play both sides because I I feel I feel like I can't alienate half of my listeners, but. The no, same token, fair. I mean, I would tear them limb from limb if they talked to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll just say that uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, guys. I love you. I love you, Team No Slurp. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you like about slurping. I'll, I'll, I would I'll tear just say that, that that I option to uh, Blumhouse Media that the next uh, Purge movie should be Purge. Team Slurp. <laughs> team No Slurp. Purge. Purge against Team No Slurp. The funny thing about that is, like, I was just irrationally enraged by that review that that person left. Oh, and I was like, boy. oh, no, we're going ham. So I was like, hashtag Team Slurp everywhere. So I, I actually think, I actually think this is a good time to, this is a good time to make this stance. I feel like everyone that is Team No Slurp that is still, like, at least listening to Steve and being like, okay, I'll skip 30 seconds ahead or I'll do whatever. <laughs> like they are honorary team slurp in the sense that I, they are, they're not a problem. They enjoy the show. They don't, they don't weirdly hate the show because of three seconds of audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the people that 
hate the show and write negative reviews and fucking shit on us over three seconds of audio when the rest of it is like good shit. Those are those are that's who like. I'm a quizzer, I'm, <laughs> I'm an inquisitor against those people. Those people <laughs> fucking grind my gears. I don't give a fuck if your team knows slurp. Honestly, I respect the hell out of you for having misphonia and skipping Steve's shit and still listening to our show. But if you're going to fucking sit there and be like, well, uh, it inconveniences me greatly to skip for three seconds, then I'm going to punch you in the dick. And if you don't have a dick, I'm going to punch you in the cooter. Yeah. And if you don't have a cooter, I'm going to punch you in the belly. And because I don't, I don't take punch sides. I don't take sides, but the belly button, I'm going to punch you so hard, the lint's going to fall out. Off the shockwave of that. Get at me. Get at me. All of you Team No Slurp, if you follow those rules, you are officially Team Slurp. Anyone else is Team No Slurp, fuck you. I'm not even really about the whole ASMR of I'm like, not about slurp it either, noise. But I respect like, Steve for it. I respect yeah, it no, for it. No, it's just like, it's Take such a, a funny joke. Like, how could you not hear? I, I understand if you have problems, like, hearing uh, certain things and if certain like pitches and stuff like really bug you and and like, I I respect those people for the early episodes where we gave no warning yeah. but now that yeah. we started like to give a warning it's like just a no fucking reason. 30 second just it's a just fucking a 30 joke. second jump and what do you miss Emily's drink nobody gives a fuck about that <laughs> You're good. You're good. I don't know. You're I think I was just side. so mad that he was just like, this silly little joke that happens at the beginning of every episode is such a problem. Oh, hey, you guys had such a great podcast until you had the slurp thing, and that turned me off to the whole thing because I couldn't go past it. Okay, well, fuck you, bud. Your team you knows probably slurp. turn off everybody you encounter, so. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you turned off our <laughs> podcast, and you also turn off your wife. Boom. Oof. <laughs> Dear God. Fuck him. We're salty, Steve. Okay. I'm salty. God. I'm salty. I'm hot. It's it's warm in here. It is warming up a lot. It's not what I intended this question to turn into, but that's well, what you got. Well, turned into it, and you better, you team no slurps that have not met the requirements and rules to be a team slurp. Guess what? I'm coming for you. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I, I think we have time for one more question tonight, and I think this is probably going to hit just as hard as any of the other questions that we've heard. Again, from Lord Deathquake. Flapjacks or crepes? Flapjacks. Flapjacks. Neither. Neither. Hold if on. I have okay. to choose, if I have to choose, I'll choose I think flapjacks. It was, I think it was but a I have to choose. Uh, actually, okay. uh, you know what I learned when I uh, when I lived in Ireland for a bit was that they actually do a full like crepe day and crepe thing uh, leading up to Easter. I never experienced that over here, but they do a bunch of savory crepes. And it, that shit was literally like a pancake wrapped in like a buffalo chicken fucking sandwich. I, I, and it was I, good I, as yeah, hell. If, if you're not doing savory crepes, I don't really understand the point of a crepe. It's just a, a lesser version of any other preparation. There was a food truck at a uh, pirate-themed festival that happens kind of locally. It's about an hour away from was me. Was Storm there? All right, we'll, we'll come no. to town for that next year. <laughs> that sounds dope. But Tell um, them to come next year. 
it, it is a really cool pirate festival and everybody dresses up. They have all kinds of stands and everything. And there's an entire like food truck court basically. And one of them was crepes and it was like crepes and ice cream. And actually there's one of those in Hollywood too. Uh, when I okay. flew to when I flew to um, California a couple years ago, we walked by this entire storefront, and it was just like crepes. You could get sandwiches, you could get ice cream, you could get desserts. Like everything was made of crepes, and I I don't get it because the two times I've tried it, it tasted like cardboard. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Well, I think waffles are far <laughs> that's, superior. That's why they're one letter away from craps. <laughs> Guys, I, I, we're gonna catch some heat. I know. I know. Do you for think sure. we're gonna catch some heat? Because honestly, if you me, if you yep. want something sweet and you don't do a fucking pancake burrito, then mm. I don't. Again, you are team Belgian no slip to me. You're team no. Well, again, you could do a waffle, you but like fruit, if, you're, ice if you're gonna pick a skinny ass crepe, no flavor crepe, versus a goddamn <laughs> fucking flapjack, you are team no slip to me. Yeah. You you also <laughs> don't enjoy good things you don't you don't have any joy in your life give us another one star review now if if it's if it but but this is where i'm coming from if it's flapjacks versus crepes in the savory contest i have to go crepe because flapjacks are inherently a bit sweet and i think a crepe does a better job at being basically a burrito wrap because honestly that's all i want it to be all i want to taste is the inside of a savory crepe I don't give a fuck about the crepe. I I hear what you're saying. Well, I hope but, you have. I hope you but, have. And that But I, I just I just I just got to look at the question that we have. Five decks or crepes. Yeah, there's there's no toppings, no 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 But inserts. I feel like I can, I feel like I can I at least preference that. Like flapjack sweet day, crepe yes. savory. Boom. That's the that's the conversation. That's all you have to say. Are we <laughs> all aligned there? I feel like we all were aligned there. Am I wrong? I, I just. Do you want to be Team No Slurp here? What are you? What the fuck are you talking I'm about? Just, I'm, you know, I'm coming at you here. I don't know why. Because I, I have not had a savory <laughs> crepe. I think it sounds fine. They're great. I've, I've had like breakfast sausage wrapped in uh, like a pancake. That's great. Actually, that brings up a good thing, which there uh, you go, Robin, Robin. We have not we have not talked to you about, but since you brought up waffles. You know, everybody does the chicken and waffles, the buffalo chicken, the the uh, maple syrup on top of a waffle. But the better way to enjoy that is uh, chicken and pancakes. Yes. And it actually turns out so fucking good. Legit. I, don't I mean, like, like pancakes. But it, mm. like, if you if you're in Belgium, get a chicken and waffle. If you're anywhere the fuck else, get a chicken and pancake. That shit is fire. And thank us later for that. And thank us later. But uh, Robin, Robin, I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting the merits of the waffle. I feel like a waffle. Um, actually, um, did you know you can make a chaffle? Have you ever heard what of that? that? No, I don't know that. It's a uh, if you get a little small waffle press, you can actually make cheese into a full ass waffle. Oh boy. And but it, it it's perfect for like doing tacos, like doing a taco waffle because it doesn't get sweet like a regular waffle. If you were to put sugar in a regular waffle, it's gonna be sweet. But the chaffle is savory. And so you don't need to put cheese on your taco. You can literally just do a taco in this bent waffle shell, or you can make it into a sandwich and 
you can do a sandwich that isn't sweet. I think that's the best part of it is that you don't have to do the sweetness of the waffle, but you still kind of get, you get entirely the waffle texture, but it's kind of mostly made of cheese. So you, you know, also can't shit for three days. <laughs> so that might be a plus or minus to you, uh, depending on Hit where you miss. sit. But yeah, I, I think that's that's great. I think that probably uh, wraps up our discussion on flapjacks or crepes. <laughs> does it? Does it though? No, I don't. You get so much deeper than this. We could go deeper, um, but I honestly. That's what she said. Fair, very fair. Um, I just don't think we're gonna go any deeper unless we give it a full hour and a half episode. What but, did Medusa say to Poseidon? You can go deeper. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You look amazing. Give him a high five. Kobe. No, he's doing the Kobe thing. He doesn't want a high five. Oh. <laughs> I don't want a high five from this little, idiot. Like, wrist. Yeah, you got to get the wrist flip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Robin, thank you for coming on. I, I had a lot of fun today. <laughs> Um, thanks for making time for us. Uh, we, we really appreciate your insight into a lot of different parts of the TTRPG community that we're just not familiar with. Um, so, so thank you once again at, at this time. If you want to promo any sort of thing, your usernames, your podcast, whatever, go right ahead. Where can they find you on Twitter, Instagram, any of that nonsense? Um, my Twitter and Basically, everything is typically at Deoxyrio. Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram, I think, is just Deoxia. And I have some art and some weird selfies and pictures of my dog, if you like dogs. Cute yeah. fucking you dog, by the way. fucking Satan. <laughs> you don't like Chocolate Labs? Get the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Give us girl. another one-star review. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, also, the podcast, though. Yes. Yep. Uh, my podcast is at Death Untimely on Twitter and Facebook, so Perfect. pretty easy to find. Yeah, check them out, guys. It's uh, it's a it's it's definitely a diversion from the system we're playing. <laughs> but I mean, if you guys thought any of what we were talking about was interesting, because it, I I loved it. We talked about Wraith for a while. I think it's cool as fuck, <laughs> and I, I think you guys should check it out. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. I think you guys should uh, probably bother Robin uh, to get her to play us through the uh, Werewolf Wild Wild West. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I mean, if you listen to our podcast and you like gothic horror, like her podcast is that brought to the modern age. It's it's every aspect of what we're bringing into the show, but brought to a modern audience, and it's, it's really like cool. You, it's like Penny Dreadful, but set in modern. Exactly. Time. There you go. Yeah. And, and because that, every penny dreadful has everything. I think I think that's the that's the most fun part about it. Like I I know we have a lot of listeners that are Pathfinder purists. Like mm-hmm. expand your knowledge because um, stuff like World of Darkness is cool as shit. Is like Wraith is a system from 1999 that uh, Robin <laughs> wants to continue playing even though the rules were a little rules heavy. Can you can you, um, can you you find a parallel anywhere? Oh, probably to Pathfinder mm. where the rules are a little rules heavy. Um, and, and honestly, you know, you guys have listened to her here like 
it's it's phenomenally GM'd. Like it's gonna be fun, so you should go listen to it. Uh, expand your horizons. We are. You should. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's one of the one of the cooler systems that I've heard of in a long time, and um, that's how, that's how I'll leave that one. Well. On that note, once again, Robin, thanks for joining us. It's been a blast. We'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, Maybe we'll have uh, hip holsters and we'll be fully furry the next time we do this. <laughs> God, if we, if we could be so lucky. But until then, Griff, is there anything you need to say to the people at home? I'd like you guys to finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks. Later.